I know that some of you are probably snickering when you say, oh, thanks for making me look good. Uh, but it's the reality, right? God makes us look good. His work right in us and through us makes us look amazing. And so we, uh, we, can, we can always rejoice and celebrate the work of God in our life. Okay, so, so we're going to talk about restoration uh, for several minutes here and, and really going to be kind of circling around maybe four different questions. Um, uh, well, first of all, how do you actually define restoration? We'll look at that. And then, and then the what and the why and the how of restoration. And then at the end of all that, we'll just kind of come back and say, how committed is God to restoring things? How committed is he to restoring things? So uh, just as a way of building community, uh, we would love to kind of hear some of your restoration stories, uh, either what you want restored or, or, or things that you have actually restored and, and why did you choose to restore it? And, uh, and, and how much time did it take to restore it? And all that kind of stuff. So, so give us some short stories as, uh, as you're uh, beginning bored uh, through the course of the sermon. Uh, just give us some short stories of, of, of why and how you have restored things um, in your own life. All right, so let's dive in. Uh, restoration definition is simply this, uh, to cause to return or to bring something back, right? So, I mean, if you think about it, you can do that with a lot of different things. I won't say everything, but a lot of different things. You can cause a lot of things to return. You can bring something back. We typically probably think about maybe restoring a piece of artwork, uh, restoring a picture, restoring a car, restoring a computer. I mean, there's all kinds of things, right, that we can restore, cause to return or bring back. Um, when we think about this, this, the, the first question, really, what do we want to restore? Well, again, right, you can restore just about anything, but in Psalm 23, verse 3, there's something very specific, uh, in fact, very narrow, that is restored. Uh, the writer says, restore my soul. He says, he restores my soul. Psalm 23, verse 3. Now, uh, if I'm honest, um, that's kind of surprising to me. Does, anybody, does that like stand out as surprising to anybody else? Um, just let us know. Maybe just write surprised in the chat box if that's surprising to you. I mean, think about it. Um, well, first of all, we don't talk a lot about our soul. But we don't know a lot about our soul. And um, quite frankly, it's not very high on my list. In fact, if I was just to list out all the things that I want to be restored, I wouldn't say, gee, I really hope my soul gets restored. So what, the more I thought about this, the more it was surprising to me that, uh, that David is rejoicing and celebrating that God restores his soul. So uh, we want to spend a couple of minutes uh, just kind of pausing here on, on what gets restored. The soul gets restored. And, and we just want to think about what is a soul. I think it's important uh, to kind of draw that out. Um, the soul, maybe if you're keeping score at home, just the soul is what you are. It's not something that you have. It's what you are. It's your entire life, your physical body, your emotional state. Um, we typically talk about it today in kind of like a, a, a Greek philosophy kind of way where it's something that you have. It's like this ghost that's trapped inside of you and it gets released at death. And, and that is not what uh, Scripture is talking about when Scripture talks about your soul. In Scripture, it's your entire being. It's your whole person. It's your life. 
Let me give you some examples so you know I'm not just making this up. Genesis 46 verse 5 says this, uh, says that there were 35 what? Souls in Jacob's family, <laughs> which is just a way of saying 35 people in Jacob's family. Uh, Numbers chapter 31, a murderer is called a soul slayer, right? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 7, a kidnapper is called a soul thief. Right, so, so soul is just your life, it's your entire being, it's your whole person, it, it's, it's the breath of life within you. It's not something you have, it's something that you are. So restoration is the process of, of causing something to return or bringing it back, and, and what gets restored, a, a lot of things, but in Psalm 23, verse 3, the soul gets restored. So uh, that leads us to the next question, why? <laughs> why does the soul need to be restored? Uh, two primary reasons that we can find in Scripture, and by Scripture, I really just mean the book of Psalms, because uh, Scripture is really big and really long, and so we can just narrow it down. There, there's two places in the book of Psalms that references the soul, uh, and so, so we're going to just kind of think about why the soul needs to be restored. The first reason that the soul needs to be restored is that, is that the soul needs to be restored uh, because your life isn't very alive. Your soul isn't very alive. Right? Soul is the breath. It's things that breathe. It's things that are alive. And some seasons, we have to admit, some things just make us feel not very alive. Uh, some things knock the breath out of us, so to speak. And that breath needs to be brought back. It needs to be restored. Let me read uh, this passage to you. Psalm 116, verses 6 to 7. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. It's a really interesting passage. David is talking to his soul, and he says, return. That's the same word for restore in Psalm 23, verse 3. Return, O my soul. What you need to know is that in Psalm 116, David is talking about a very difficult season of his life. He's talking about the ropes of death being all around him. He, he says, I need to be saved. He says that he is surrounded by liars. Uh, David is in a life-draining season of life. <laughs> uh, the breath has been knocked out of him. And he needs that breath to be restored. He needs his soul to be restored. And so sometimes your soul needs to be restored because your life isn't feeling very alive. We can probably relate to that in the season of life that we've been through and, and maybe that we're still in. Second reason that your soul needs to be restored, and this is kind of interesting, your soul needs to be restored because it doesn't look the way it's supposed to look. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. It, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Uh, we actually know exactly what the soul is supposed to do. This is fascinating. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six verses four and five. Um, this is a summary of the entire law. So so when uh, when the people come and say, "Hey Jesus, what's the most important law?" He's going to quote Deuteronomy chapter six. And uh, this is a summary of the entire law. And and this is maybe even a passage that they're that they're supposed to repeat multiple times a day, at least twice a day, when they, when they lie down and when they rise up. It says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your what? Soul. 
and all your strength. Love God with all your soul, right? That's, that, that's what your soul is supposed to do, right? Not love the Lord your God with some of your soul, not love the Lord your God with most of your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Be devoted to him in your entire being. Love him with your whole body and your whole life, all your soul, not some, not most, all. That doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for anything else. <laughs> Uh, your soul was made to be entirely devoted to God. That's God's plan for your soul. So, how's your soul working? <laughs> uh, I didn't like that question very much when I asked myself. How is your life working? Are you fully and completely devoted to him? Does your entire soul love him? See, it's not very hard to see why our soul needs to be restored. And it's not hard to see why David would be celebrating a God who restores souls. Sometimes your soul needs to be restored because it doesn't look the way that it's supposed to look. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So maybe chime in on, uh, on, on your chat boxes, Facebook and Zoom, and just tell us which one of those stands out most to you. Um, uh, our soul needs to be restored because we're in a life-draining season. Uh, or our soul needs to be restored because it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to work. Or maybe both. Uh, the next question then is how? <laughs> how does God restore the soul? Um, how do we experience this restoration of our souls from the good shepherd? And, and, and I'm going to give you three different ways that we can experience soul restoration. Um, the first one is completely made up. This is just Pastor Dave sharing practical advice. I just want to be honest with you. That's why uh, when you see it on your screen, there is no uh, scripture next to it because I'm just making this up. Um, I think that what we need to do is check our restoration list. Um, I think it's good to just make a list of all the things that you want to be restored. And then go back through that list and just pray, hey, God, what do you want to restore? Because God doesn't always want to restore the things that I want restored. He might want to restore something far better than what I have in mind. As I look at Psalm 23, right, I, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, re restore my provision, restore the green pastures, uh, restore the relaxing waters. Uh, as I just think about my life in 2021, hey, restore my relationships, restore my parties. I was just saying to Krista, man, I just hope we don't have any more shelter-in-place birthday uh, parties, right? Uh, uh, restore Please restore the at-school school. Please restore that. Um, restore my rest, right? I, I think about all these different things that God wants to restore. And then I look at Psalm 23, verse 3, and it says, hey, we have a God who restores my soul, my life, my breath, my whole self. And so I think it's important to just sort of list it out. And, and, and to be clear, right, sometimes God does restore those material things that we desire to be restored. Uh, we think about uh, the, the book of Job, right? Job lost everything, and then by the end of the book, all things and more were restored to him. Uh, when Jesus is here on earth, he meets a man with a withered hand. It just means that it's, uh, you know, crippled in some way and he can't use it. And what does Jesus redo, do? He restores that man's hand. 
Uh, sometimes Jesus will restore exactly the things that we want, and other times he might have something different in mind. And so I think it's important if we want to experience the restoration of God, that, that we just kind of list out honestly, like, here's all the things, God, I want to be restored. What do you want to restore? Uh, second thing, and this is biblical, uh, we want to we just ask God to restore. We do. Uh, just listen to all these verses. Um, uh, Psalm chapter 6, verse 4, turn. Uh, that's the same word for restore, actually. Uh, turn, O Lord, deliver my life, my soul. Uh, turn, O Lord, deliver my life, save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Psalm 80, uh, actually three different times in Psalm 80 says this, Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Um, Psalm 85, verse 4, Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Right? Just... Uh, this is all over the book of Psalms. It's all over scripture to just ask God to restore. Now, here's the practical tip that goes along with that. When you ask, make sure you're taking your ask to God. Uh, because I know from my own experience, I too often take my ask to Krista or to the boys or to my work or to social media or to food or to any number of other things. Hey, will you restore my soul? Hey, will you restore me? Hey, will you restore? And all those things have the ability to restore something, but not everything. And they restore for a moment, but not forever. And so it's massively important that we ask, but we're taking our ask to God to restore. Uh, the third thing uh, that you probably see there on the screen is scripture. Uh, this is the other best thing to do, right? The best, one of the best things you can do is just ask God to restore. The second best thing is to turn to scripture. Uh, David tells us exactly what restores our soul. This is Psalm 19, verse 7. The teaching of the Lord is perfect. What? Reviving the soul. <laughs> Uh, I love how uh, easy David makes this for us. The, the teaching of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Let me give you another one from Psalm 119. It says, I will never forget your precepts, your word, in other words, uh, for by them you have given me life. See, God uses scripture uh, to show us um, how our soul isn't working quite right. How it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Um, uh, God uses scripture to show us that nothing is more worthy of our love than Jesus. Um, uh, God uses scripture to show us just how great and, and glorious and good and gracious our God is. So that our souls turn back to him and, and get more devoted to him. And our soul then is, see this, restored. Scripture is so powerful because it just, it just points us back to God and, and how we should be living. And then our soul is restored. So those three things, right? Um, check your list and, uh, and, and ask God what he wants to restore. Second thing, just, just go to God and say, hey, God, will you restore this? 
It doesn't hurt you to ask, and he has every right to say yes or no, but, but take your ask to God. Uh, the third thing is Scripture. Turn to Scripture and let Scripture renew your soul's love for God. The last thing we need to do is, uh, is to kind of come back and just say, how committed is God to restoration? How committed do you think God is to restoration? And, and let me just kind of rattle off several things here. Um, I would say that God is so committed to restoration that in Ezekiel 34, he actually promises to do it himself. Uh, Ezekiel 34 is really interesting because there are shepherds that aren't restoring uh, they don't go after and bring back lost sheep. Uh, they don't help and heal the sick. And God comes in Ezekiel 34 and he says, I, I myself will search for and seek out and bring them back. I, I myself will bind them up and heal them. God is so committed to restoration that he says, I, I myself will do it. And he goes even a step further in Ezekiel 34, and he says, he says that, uh, that he's going to send Jesus. Right there in Ezekiel 34, he says, I'm so committed to restoration that I'm going to send my son Jesus to shepherd, to be the type of shepherd that, that restores things. And when Jesus comes, he shows God's level of commitment to restoration. Uh, Jesus is deeply committed to restoration. He, he, he restores life and sight and hearing and the ability to walk. Jesus is deeply committed to restoration. And Jesus tells a story um, that shows how committed God is to restoring, to finding lost things. Uh, the story is about a good shepherd, a great shepherd, who goes after the one that's lost, the one that's lost, and brings it back. He restores that sheep to the flock. And, and Jesus told us that in the end, all things would be renewed, right? Restored, all things. God is firmly committed to restoration. And Jesus is so firmly committed to restoration that he lays down his life. He's betrayed, he suffers, and he dies. And he doesn't fight back. He doesn't throw punches. He doesn't call on angels because he knows that his death will restore you. He knows that our souls haven't worked quite right, that we haven't loved God with all of our soul. He knows that the hard seasons, those life-draining seasons, make us question the Father and, and that our relationship with him doesn't look like it should. And so Jesus suffers and dies on the cross to restore that relationship. He is deeply committed to restoration. But Jesus goes even one step further. We just got to see this, right? That, that he wants you to know, he wants you to be so firmly convinced that he is committed to restoration, that there is nothing that he can't restore. And he's so committed to restoration that three days after he suffers and dies, he rises back to life. His breath had been knocked out of him. His life had ended and he wasn't what he was supposed to be. And then he is restored, brought back from the dead. There is absolutely nothing that he can't 
and that he won't restore. <laughs> Jesus Christ truly is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for how firmly committed to restoration you are. Um, how far you went uh, to show us God's commitment to restoration. Uh, we thank you for the confidence and the certainty that you long to restore, that you can, and that you will. And so today we, uh, we come with our list, <laughs> um, uh, just telling you, being honest about all the different things that we want restored. And, and we come trusting that you'll restore, oh man, so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so we, we thank you. We praise you for being a God who, who, who was restored, a God who is restoring, and a God who will restore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.